the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. Hi, this is Denny O'Neill. My name is Neil Adams. This is Paul Dini. Hi, my name is Dan DeDeal. This is Kevin Conroy. Hey, this is Francis Manipal. Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 247. I am your host, Dustin, and today I have with me... This is Stella. And <laughs> Stella, that is not Stella, that is Ed, but we have a brand new co-host with us. Steph is joining us from the great state of Texas. Hola! Steph, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your familiarity with the Bat books? Sure, sure. I started Batman back when I was itty bitty but that was mostly just batman 66 and then you know when the batman movie started coming out i was like oh batman i love him and then realized i like catwoman a little bit better than batwoman but that's okay <laughs> and then last year i realized that uh, i was browsing around on tumblr and i was like wait batman and catwoman are getting married so of course i had to find out everything and i'm a completionist so I wanted to find out everything about Batman's history, and I happened to stumble across uh, TBU at that time, and so I've been listening to them for about a year, a year and a half, or I guess, yeah, almost a year. And I really liked what TBU did and, and all the fan interaction, and your podcasts are just great, so I just really wanted to be involved with that. And here she is. And here I am. Let me just plug TVU real quick. Shocker. <laughs> if you want to get involved, we are, like I said before, in, in many, many, many times in the past, if you have any special skills that you would like to volunteer your time to TVU, we are always looking for new recruits to join our staff. So this is a perfect example. Steph is coming on board as Stella is on sabbatical for most of the summer. She'll probably be reappearing for our special episode 250, which unfortunately I have no news for, even though we're only a couple episodes away because I still have not made up my mind. Now, if I, I believe I told everybody in the last episode, I was going on vacation for, about a week, and while I was gone, there wasn't going to be a ton of time for me to update the site. I was able to at least get out all the comic reviews and a couple of minor news pieces here and there, but we're all caught up on the site, so if you head over the site, everything's there. That being said, most of my time because of vacation was vacationing and not TVU. I didn't have a lot of time to plot out what we're going to do, but I have gotten some great ideas from some of our other staff and, and writers over on the site, so I will be finalizing. I promise you by the next episode at the very latest, maybe I'll even reveal it on Twitter. Follow us at Batman Universe on Twitter. Yeah, I'll reveal it on Twitter if I find out ahead of time. But at the very latest, I'll, I'll let everybody know what we're going to do by the next episode because I really, really need to finalize that. So outside of that... <laughs> Any chance I'll get a heads up before the rest of the world does there, boss? Maybe, maybe. <laughs> and uh, Steph, if you're a completionist, you may have stumbled into the wrong hobby. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> I was like, holy moly, how many issues of Batman are there? All of them. Yeah, you may have stumbled into the wrong hobby. <laughs> yeah, way, way, too, way too many. This, uh, yeah, that's a rabbit hole that once you get in, it's almost impossible to ever get out. <laughs> Please see Ed and Dustin's. By by a yearly conversation about when they ruin variant covers for all of us. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> all right, so yeah. we are here to cover the last two weeks, which includes April 15th through the 28th, 
we have a total of two books to cover as usual, Greater Gotham, and we have listener Q&As. So we're going to dive all into that stuff and start off with the news. So the very first thing we've got, on April 16th, it was revealed that He-Man is coming to the world of Injustice. Now, we don't cover Injustice in depth, but we do mention it as part of our Greater Gotham, the secondary DC Universe books. But the uh, Injustice Universe does feature Batman and a lot of other Batman characters from the Batman Universe. So... We reported on this. Uh, turns out crossovers are all, you know, we, we've seen crossovers, all kinds of crazy crossovers with Batman stuff, but this is the first time I think a video game franchise that is in comic book form is crossing over with a toy line. I, I don't know that that's happened before. At least I know it's, ha- I know it hasn't happened at DC. I can't say that it's happened, it hasn't happened somewhere else because I know that. There are other companies out there that specialize in doing books related to toy properties and things like that. But turns out the world of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe is going to be intersecting with Injustice. It's going to be a six-issue miniseries written by Tim Seeley with art by Freddie Williams, who you may remember just did the art on Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So the first issue is actually going to release on July 18th. It's not going to come out digitally ahead of time. It's going to release the same day as print you can look forward to that like i said six issues and it'll run through i believe january will be the final issue so or no no it will be december so that that's what you can look forward to if you read injustice or you're a fan of he-man that is something you can look forward to what is it with injustice what is this the the tie-in comic that would never die (laughs) it really is this comic's been out there forever (laughs) there were some comments i read recently saying that like it was from some more popular comic creators And they were saying they were attributing the success of the series more to Tom Taylor, who did the vast majority of the original tie-in series and the multiple volumes and the years and all that stuff. And then Brian Buccioletto took over for a while, but I believe Tom Taylor came back to the series when Injustice 2 launched. And there were some big wig comic creators who were attributing the success of the series to Tom Taylor because basically, I mean, obviously he was able to go on his own narrative to a degree, he had to clearly follow the narrative that was happening in the game, but he had a lot of free will and he's had a lot of ability to just do what he wants to do and create unique situations for some of these characters that are outside of their normal comfort zones and things like that. And honestly, so Injustice Gods Among Us, the first video game, I believe they had five years of new volumes. So there was five years of volumes And then they had annuals, which was crazy because digital first series never get annuals. That was like the first time they got annuals. And then they had another Injustice series that I think was like the bridge between Injustice 1 and 2. And then Injustice 2 kicked off, and that's been going now for since I think last summer. So, I mean, this thing has been going on for probably like six, seven years, which is nuts. If you look at the sales numbers, the sales numbers for individual issues aren't great, but I my imagine But it's digital first mostly, right? It is. I'm almost positive that the series is crazy good in sales when it comes to the digital. I know that it's normally in the tops, you know, the top releases for the weeks that the chapters come out and things like that. So yeah, I mean it's definitely I mean, it's one of those things where if the video game, the first one, did okay and the comic series just kept selling, that might have by itself greenlit a sequel to the video game. But this is a pretty extreme. I just, I mean, everyone loves it, and I don't read it constantly, 
but it is good. It just it's just amazing it's gone on for this long. Yeah. Okay. So the next bit of news we have is we have solicitations from July or for July that is. There's not a whole lot of huge surprises. A lot of this stuff was previously announced. And we talked about the last episode. July brings the big events in Batman 50, which is the wedding. Tom King will be joined by a huge pool of artists gathering to give Batman Kelman an unforgivable wedding. At least we hope that's the case. Um, I'm, I'm starting to, my doubts are starting to take over, which I'm, I really am not liking more because I keep worrying about the stupid thing that was said at C2E2 about make sure you read Batman 50 before you read Catwoman number one, even though it comes out. That's still just twisted in your head, isn't it? I can't, I can't, I can't forget it. Over in Detective Comics, the Brainiac Files, which we don't know what that is, but the Brainiac Files are appearing. Hopefully we'll find out what exactly they are. I imagine we will because they mentioned them in the solicitations, so I'm I'm sure it's there. Outside of the Catwoman series, which we knew was coming from Joelle Jones, there is a new, or inside, I should say, the Catwoman series, there is a new villain as well as selena having to go up against the gcpd also the two new just league series that were announced at wondercon just league dark which features man bat and just league odyssey which has Azrael on the team both release in july for the first time as we just talked about he-man and the masters of the universe is crossing over with injustice then we have a special summer anthology featuring dc universe villains which we talked about also in the last episode as well uh teen titans and titans both return with new teams in each title. Um, Return is kind of a weird word, but basically because they're taking the month of May off and June features specials, which I kind of lost as to why they exactly chose to do that. Instead of doing annuals in June for the series and introducing the new rosters of characters, they decided to put the series on hiatus for one month, return in June for specials, just individual specials, featuring the old roster of characters, and then in July, feature the new roster of characters in the original numbering from the previous series that is going on hiatus after April. So, not exactly sure the thought process behind that. I, I'm kind of confused by that, but whatever. Over in Batgirl, that is, there's a, there's a creator shift going on over there. In there's an oversized anniversary issue because it's number 25. There will be Marguette Bennett with a backup story by Paul Dini. That will also have a look at the upcoming creative team of I'm going to probably pronounce this wrong, Margaret Scott and Paul Pelletier. They're the new creative team that's going to be taking over Batgirl with number 26. That has been confirmed on Twitter, yet not confirmed by DC outside of these solicitations. Hope Larson has said that May is her final issue of Batgirl. So she unceremoniously just basically got taken off the, the title. She got whacked. I mean, they, they, made, yes. they made an announcement, on given it wasn't like a major announcement, but they gave an announcement to like Marguette Bennett when they, they said that DC Bombshells United was ending. They gave an announcement on Twitter about Benson's leaving Batgirl and the Birds of Prey. They've had tons of announcements for other books like the new creative team on Harley Quinn, the new creative team on Nightwing. Um, It's kind of weird because she just basically, like I said, unceremoniously just gets removed from the book without anybody even mentioning it whatsoever. And then they have a fill-in team come in in June and then basically this special issue with a bunch of stories and then the new team will come on in August. But mind-blowing. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I haven't really super enjoyed what Hope Larson has done with Batgirl, but... Two years worth of work on a book, and then she just kind of floats into a, the abyss. So, I there's 
more than there's got to be more that we'll just never know. I'm sure she got in a fight with I'm someone, sure. or you know what I'm saying. And then, as we know, Harley Quinn's going to be getting their new creative team with Sam Humphreys uh, taking over the series with John Timms. That series will continue to release twice per month, making it one of the few series to survive the cuts down to monthly status. Justice League, Batman, Detective Comics are the only ones that we cover on the site besides Harley Quinn that is keeping its twice a month per status. Getting rid of Suicide Squad, Nightwing, there's a lot of other ones that DC had, but those are the only Bat books that we cover. And then obviously Justice League of America, which is in anyway. Anyway, wrapping up this month is a six-issue miniseries for Batman's Sins of the Father, which will feature the final showdown between Batman and Deadshot. There will also be the final issue of Batman or The Brave and the Bold, Batman and Wonder Woman. As we said, outside of Catwoman, there is only one new miniseries, which is Archie Meets Batman 66, which was previously announced last month, but it will release its first issue in July. Finally, some noteworthy appearances popping up in the titles for the month. Batwoman solicits states that Renee Montoya and Kate enter into a new partnership. So outside of Detective Comics, that'll be the first time since Rebirth, at least, that those characters have come into contact. Creeper will be appearing in Batman Beyond as Jack Ryder is sought out by... 10. The Damien storyline in Deathstroke continues. Jason Todd appears in Mother Panic. Talia al Ghul continues to play a role in The Silencer, and Batman is guest starring in Suicide Squad for the month. So, if you want the full list of all the solicitations, including a gallery of some of the highlighted art that's coming in July, head over to the site, check it out. The big thing here is there wasn't a lot of, I mean, outside of the two new Just League titles, There wasn't a whole lot of, like, major announcements for July, which I find interesting. I know, Ed, we talked about this last episode as far as what we think is coming. Now, there's word out there amongst the interwebs that there is a major shift coming September for DC Comics. Why is it always September? Yeah, why is it always September? But there basically there's going to be some shakeups with a bunch of different titles. Any, everything that I've heard is not related to Batman books right now. Tom King is staying on Batman. That's not going to change. Detective is going to get a new creative team, presumably to take them to 1,000, but we haven't heard anything yet. So the question is, what else is happening? So there's some word on the street that Brian Azzarello is going to be taking over a title. Grant Morrison's going to be coming back and taking over a title. Uh, I believe he's coming. The the word is that he could be coming to the Green Lantern books. Yeah, which is a little outside of what he's worked on in the past, but not completely on, you know, he can do it. Impossible. This was something that I I was finding out about this in the middle of my vacation. I was really interested in this. But then all of a sudden the rumors just kind of died down as almost as if they were like hushed down by DC, which I know wasn't the case. But the question I want to know is, you know, one of the things I've noticed is with a lot of the titles that are getting sliced from twice per month to once per month, Suicide Squad, Nightwing, I'm not complaining about that happening, but there's less books in general that TBU overall is covering. There's other books that they're doing, such as like the New Age of DC Superhero or DC Heroes that they're doing right now. None of that stuff we're specifically covering month to month. That obviously adds to their output per month, but they have to take away so many to make sure that they don't go over their their normal output of about 50 to 55 issues per month that they release. The question is, do you see any possibilities for any other Batman-related books coming in the next couple months? Oh, well, there's always possibilities <laughs> for more Batman books, right? Oh, yeah. If you can do Ninja Turtles and Batman, you can do anything. That is true. Do you think they'll go with another Batman ongoing? 
Because remember, it used to be... It used to be four. Back in the New 52. Yeah, there used to be four. Used to, or pre-New 52, it was always Legends of the Dark Knight, which got truncated into The Dark Knight, which then got truncated because they let Tony Daniel write it. Tony Daniel was on Detective Comics. It was David Finch on Dark Knight. Finch. Oh, that's right. It was David Finch, the book that looked beautiful, but you couldn't yes. read it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think they should just add another Batman ongoing. I think that there almost, has almost always been four. Uh, I mean, since Legends of the Dark Knight, right? Yeah, because Legends of the Dark Knight, and they also had Shadow of the Bat, and then there was other times where they also had, like, Gotham Chronicles. You know, they've had a number of ones over the years. Shadow of the Bat, Legends of the Dark Knight, Batman Detective were the ones that lasted a very long period of time. New 52 had four with Batman Detective Comics, The Dark Knight, and Batman and Robin. Those were the four that they had. Uh-huh. And then with the New 52, they still had four, but it was just basically two of Batman and two of Detective Comics. Two of yeah. Detective. So, yeah, but I, I, they could roll out a Batman and Robin or like a... The, they love the title The Dark Knight if it's Legends of the Dark Knight or just The Dark Knight or... You know what I'm saying? Like, Well, I think part of the, the reason why they chose The Dark Knight for that title back then was because they were trying to... Christopher Nolan? Go off the success of the films, but... I could see a Batman ongoing. I could see I could I could see him bringing Batman and Robin back. With Super Sun's ending, Damien's yeah. got nothing to do. Yeah, well, he's in Teen Titans, which I mean, like it's. Oh, he's in Teen Titans. That doesn't count. You've all <laughs> said it doesn't really count because it's just like Tim Drake during the entire New Fifty Two. He's in Teen Titans, and that's just where he is, and he's he's the redheaded stepchild of the Bat Universe when he's in <laughs> Teen Titans, which is basically what Damien's at right now with Super Sun's ending. Although Super Sun's, I mean, really wasn't super connected to everything that was happening in the Bat Universe either. It was kind of his just own story featuring Damien and... It was Jeff. actually more connected with the Superman universe. It was. It was. Really? No no complaints, though. I thought it was good. No. Do you think that we'll get the... the, the was, we haven't had one of these in, I don't know, like 18 months now. Do you think we'll get, like, a whatever version of Gotham After Dark? You know, because they... How many times have we seen that, like, we're going to do the supernatural thing in Gotham? Doesn't that seem to happen They've a tried lot? that a bunch of different times. They had Gotham After Midnight. I think that spun out of the first Batman Eternal, if I remember correctly. And honestly... It did Corrigan. Yeah. If I remember, like, my, my thing was this. You know, the idea of what they were trying to do with Arkham Manor was a little bit more interesting to me than Gotham After Midnight. But I, I know what they were trying to accomplish there. And then in, in some regards, some of that, that supernatural stuff kind of shifted over to Batwoman until that series ended, too. Because that's what Batwoman was supposed to be when she got her first ongoing in the New 52, remember? Initially, yeah. Yeah, that was exactly what it was supposed to be. It was all about Medusa and that, remember the Wonder Woman crossover? Like, it was supposed to be like the supernatural book. And we they always like that. So I could see them trotting out like Batman supernatural book version 12 or whatever it is now. My thing is, I, I still want to see that team up of Cassandra, Spoiler, and Tim Drake. I'm just going to keep saying that until it happens, because I want it to happen. I really want to see that. I mean, like, there's there's the cap- there's the possibility of having other characters like Harper Row appear in that. To a degree, I guess, down the line, you could have other characters like Batwing if the, he's not playing a huge role in some of the other stuff that's going on. Like... The thing I'm hoping for more than anything going forward is now that there is an official Bat Group editor, I'm hoping for more cohesion amongst the books more than anything because it's not that there hasn't been cohesion because I think there has, but it's only with certain titles with other titles. Batgirl and Batgirl and the Birds of Prey are the most disconnected series 
that feature the same character, I think, of any of the Bat books. And then Batman and Detective Comics, they, they clash and you're constantly wondering whether or not Detective Comics is taking place at a completely separate time because the wedding's not not recognized. Tim Drake's never mentioned over in the pages of Batman. It's almost as if they're taking place on plain universes on completely different line uh, timelines. I So I'm just hoping for more cohesion. I mean, with Tom King staying on Batman for at least another year and a half or two years at this point, at least another two years that he's going to be on Batman. If he gets all the way to number 100, I can't see that changing. It's going to have to change where whoever they bring into detective comics is going to have to kind of mirror some of the stuff that Tom King is doing, because if they're giving Tom King another two years on the title, then there's absolutely no reason I see them not going with whatever he's doing, which isn't necessarily what I want to happen, but I just see like that's going to happen. So, but isn't the only reason why we think Tom King's and this will be my last kind of nugget? Isn't the only reason we think Tom King is going to be on the title is because he said he wants to be on the title that long? Yes, but if he wasn't, he'd be off after fifty. I'm I'm pretty sure of it, or shortly after. I mean, the thing is this. Okay, there was a there was something that came out over the past two weeks. Dan DiDio sent Tom King an email that basically said, congratulations on almost 50 issues. I think at this point with the annuals, it's been 50 issues. Congratulations on 50 issues of selling over 100000 per issue. That's a huge accomplishment, blah, blah, blah. And the only other person who's recently done that would be Scott Snyder. He's probably the only other person recently, consistently, who is around long enough. I mean, like Jeff Johns has been able to do that, but he doesn't do nearly as much as he used to do. And I don't know that everything that he was doing prior to him trimming down and only doing, you know, like one series like Doomsday Clock, I don't know if that stuff was selling that high. I know Just League when he was on the title was selling really well, but I don't know if it consistently sold that well for that long. So if Dan DiDio is bringing up a point about that and then Tom King is is bragging about it in his own way, I don't see DC saying, you know what, we're going to take you off of Batman right now because selling the 50 issues at 100 k that's not really that big of a deal. We could find somebody else who could do the same thing. And honestly, they probably could because, as we know... I, said, I think they probably could. They, they, yeah. Because Batman sells really well and as long as the book is, is, is written well and has a really good story, it's going to sell that well every single time so it's not like something you'd have to super worry about but i just don't think it's going to happen if he wants to go to 100 i don't see dc not letting him go to 100 unless his sales numbers like steadily dropped very quickly yeah but i mean the thing about the batman comic is if uh, and for the record because steph is new here Mm -hmm. i i am not a writer so when i say these things i'm not actually suggesting i can write but if i wrote the batman comic and i'm not a good a writer and Dustin, you're not a good artist, I am are you? definitely not an artist, that's for sure. And you you drew it, and I wrote it, how many copies would it sell? It would probably sell... 80? Still a, uh, yeah, still a decent, decent chunk, because Batman's on the title. So it makes me wonder, and, and this is no, like, I'm not trying to bang on Tom King or anything, and, and we all know my critical fanboy love for Scott Snyder, but I do sometimes wonder, like, if, like, just two dudes did the comic, what would it sell? You know what I'm saying? Like, I think it would sell well initially but i think it is it's not a book that could could hold those numbers for an extended amount of time if it was not good it, or well, at least not accepted yeah okay not accepted cuz as we remember there has been many times in batman's history see 
some of the 90s and definitely parts <laughs> of the 2000s where the book wasn't very good. It's true. Yeah, it's still sold. And it's still sold. It always sold. I mean, I'm not going to say any names because that would be me, Norm Brayfogle. But, like, there, there are some that have not been. Wow. Wow. Really? Oh, wow. I thought you were going to go with Kelly Jones, but okay. Well, oh, oh, how could I forget Kelly? You know, your favorite well, artist. My absolutely worst favorite artist. Okay. So that's the solicitations. Steph, do you have any predictions of what you'd like to see? Even if it's not something that you think could happen, what would you want to see happen? I mean, I'm enjoying Tom King. I kind of wish he'd remember some of his plot points that he'd picked yeah, up or and left hanging. forgot about. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, even I just finished reading Miracle Man and I was floored. And even that had some pretty big flaws in it that I was like, wait. <laughs> so I don't know, it'd be interesting. But I mean, didn't Tinyan say he was going to be there till issue 1000 and now he's off? That's true. That's true. But I think, I think I, that is a fact. And I think the, the thing behind that and the reason or the reason why that actually happened was because Tynan got offered Justly Dark, and that was because I remember oh. he 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 somebody asked him on Twitter. I thought you were going to be on until a thousand. He was like, "Yes, yes, I was," but this this other project came up, and this was before Justly Dark got announced. He's like, "This other project came up, and it was almost too good to pass up," and I just I really wanted to do it. So it just wasn't possible for me to go all the way to one thousand. He has said that there was other plans for him. To continue on, he had other story plot points that he wanted to keep going with in Detective Comics, but he just he couldn't do it along with what he was doing with what was ended up being Justice League Dark. So I'm guessing Justice League Dark happened and got announced, or not got announced, but he, he was offered it, and to him it was like a dream project, because I remember right after it got announced, he was on Twitter going on and on about how this was like the top tier book that he wanted to be on more than anything else when he got a job at DC Comics. He wanted to be doing something involving the supernatural and the the, the magical stuff that happens in you know the DC universe. So for him, I mean if that's his that's his ideal like you know goal of what he wants to do, of course he's gonna give up doing detective comics. Careful what you wish for. To be fair, it's not as if Detective Comics wasn't selling well. It's still sell it was still selling well like better than probably two thirds of everything DC was publishing. So I don't know that he was kicked off the title. I think it was more of a he wanted to dedicate more time to Justice League Dark and he he has other projects that he's working on like that are creator projects, creator owned projects with other publishers. So I'm pretty sure that's probably what he wanted to do he couldn't maintain doing two issues of detective comics a month on top of doing justice league dark and still be able to do his own creator own stuff but i definitely agree that tom king he is very well received eisner nominations were announced and that guy ended up with like think four different eisner nominations which is crazy when we think about his his work and how much not how much but like the amount of criticism that we sometimes give well, the problem with King is when he's brilliant, he's brilliant. But when he's not, he's not. Yeah. Right? Well, it's almost like he struggles with, like, long-term stories. Like, his shorter stuff is always amazing. And then the longer and longer it goes, the more balls he seems to drop. That's true. Yeah. And it's weird because I think he – I think Tom King suffers from lack of a good editor sometimes. Boy, I'm just insulting half the world today. I'm not meaning <laughs> to. But, like, did you – I don't know. Steph, have you read Omega Men by Tom King? No, I haven't. Okay, so Omega Men is – about two years old now. It's, it happens kind of in the Green Lantern universe. Probably one of the best comic books wrote in the past ten years. But then you read some of his other stuff, and it just—I don't know. I don't know if it's—it's it's, he's got a writing partner he doesn't use all the time, but he is—he is wildly inconsistent. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I think I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that, like like was said, he he's really good about the shorter stuff. Omega Men. I think that was actually I think that was over two years ago because I think that happened thirteen issues on the tail end of the release of the DCU stuff, which was in twenty fifteen. And I remember the sales not being super well, but the the critics were going crazy for it, so much so that the they they announced it was going to end at issue six. There was so much backlash that DC was like, you know what, we're going to let you finish it because we don't want to piss people off. <laughs> and so I take that back. He wasn't nominated for four. He was nominated for two, though. He was nominated for best limited series for Mister Miracle, and then he was he was nominated for best writer for Batman, Batman Annual Number Two, Batman Elmer Fudd, and Mister Miracle, which is basically all of his stuff that he's been doing. That's what was submitted. But what's interesting is outside of him, um, writer wise, the only other writer that was that was even nominated from DC was Mark Russell for the Flintstone series, which. That actually ended sometime last year. I want to say I don't. I don't think it's been on out since like last June or something. So I mean, it goes back to what you said, Ed. When he is really good, he's really good. I mean, like I don't think anybody's gonna be pulling war of jokes and riddles and saying, "Hey, this is the stuff that we really want to use and judge you for." I hope not for <laughs> awards because that would be a really bad idea. But I mean, like the Elmer Fudd special was like by far. An amazing comic that I'd never thought in my wildest dreams would have ever been any good at all. And a lot of these shorter stories that he keeps doing in Batman, like some of them are crazy and completely unexpected. And some other ones you're sitting there thinking to yourself like, wow, that was really good story work for just, you know, one or two issues. And then some of them, it's completely the opposite. And it's just, I guess when you're, when you're hot, you're hot. And when you're not, you're, you're still hot. Because you're hot enough. Speaking of that, we should probably go to the reviews now because I can't say anything else without ruining what I'm going to say about this week. <laughs> yes. Well, okay. I'll, keep, I'll, I'll move on. So the last bit of news comes on April 27th. It was revealed exclusively over at Entertainment Weekly that there is a number of big top tier DC titles, titles or st- I should say story arcs or graphic novels that are actually going to be changed into novelizations. The three that are specifically Batman-related that are coming are going to be Mad Love, The Killing Joke, and The Court of Owls. These are all going to be changed into stories, specifically in novel form, which is really interesting. Now, the Mad Love one is still going to be written by Paul Dini, which is interesting. The other ones are written by people that I am not super familiar with, that I've never... I mean, they could be related to the comic world in some way, but doesn't tend to be the case when they, they're in the world of novels. They don't always translate to comics or come from comics and then go back to novels. That's not to say it hasn't happened because I know Benjamin Percy's publishing novels and he's on Nightwing and he was on Teen Titans. So there's plenty of other, there's plenty of avenues. But my point is that this is happening. Killing Joke will be coming out September 25th. Batman Court of Owls is going to be coming out November 18th. And then the last one is Harley Quinn Mad Love, which will be coming out next February, February 12th, just in time for Valentine's Day. So you can get your significant other a uh, copy of Mad Love novelization for your for Valentine's Day. Sure, why not? I'm sure that that's why it's coming out right then. I'm, I'm positive. But, but yeah, so uh, if you haven't had a chance to read these graphic novels, I I mean, I, I don't know why you haven't. They're, they're very, very, very important 
to the mythos. I wouldn't go as far as to say the Court of Owls is, but it's a good story. I, I, hey. I'm not going to say it's, <laughs> it's it's important to the mythos, but Killing Joke, Mad Love, those are very important to specific characters. Uh, Court of Owls is a great story. I'm not going to deny that. It was a great story. Yeah. It was one of the stories that Snyder did that I thoroughly enjoyed. It didn't tick me off too much. So mm. I have no problem with any of these. When it's in a novel form, though, you always end up having a lot more details. So it'll be interesting to see what some of these turn out to be. That's all I'll say. I wonder if they'll make any changes to the plot points in some of them. And since these will be major novelizations, I'm assuming they'll get an audiobook treatment. Probably, yeah. You know? So maybe a little uh, live theater there could be interesting. I did hear, this is a joke, so please no one takes over this, <laughs> that they were going to have No Man's Land was going to be turned into a series of novels by George R.R. R. Martin. Oh, it actually no. was turned into a novel. It was? Yeah, Greg Rucka, I believe, wrote it. Joke was No Man's Land is really long. Yes, I, I got the joke. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's really, it's really long and it goes on for... Yeah, it was. It was uh, a novel that was released back in 1999, written by Greg Rucka. By Rucka? Called Batman, Batman No Man's Land. It was just one book, though. But I, I definitely agree that, that your joke was, haha, great for those of you <laughs> who, who get it. Fantastic. All right, so outside of that, that is actually all the news we have. So we're going to dive straight into our comic book reviews, and the first one we have is Batman. Batman, number 44, writer Tom King, Tony Daniel, sometimes credited as Tony S. Daniel. All right. This issue opens up with Green Lantern committing suicide, apparently, with a power ring. Apparently, Booster Gold comments that this is awesome, and then him, him and Skeets, which those of you who aren't familiar with Booster Gold, Skeets is his little AI floating robot that follows him around, you know, most of the time. Set out to find Batman. Tim Drake is working at what appears to be a credit card call center, and we get some dialogue that shows that the Jokers are all over the city, and people are also shooting the Jokers. It's become like the Wild West. Think Batman Beyond, only worse. Booster Gold goes to the Bat Signal, which is in pieces, and he gets shot. Uh, a couple times by Batman. Uh, we then see a Jason Todd commercial where he's selling a tire theft prevention service, which is kind of funny. Batman strings up Booster Gold, and Booster figures out that it's in fact Dick Grayson and not Bruce. We then treat to see Duke, who is obviously recovering from type, some type of uh, Joker toxin. And we see Bruce at his parents' big to-do of their anniversary, where Booster breaks in. And, you know, Bruce, Bruce, what are you doing here? Blah, 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 blah. We see Talia and Raish fighting and she tells him this will she will be the last of the bloodline because there is no worthy successor in this world booster tries to talk to bruce about what reality should be like and bruce says that he has dreams talks about the pearls but then bruce tells him there's nothing more important to him than his parents and he seemingly destroys skeets with a fire poker which is ominous because people have been trying to destroy skeets for like 25 years unsuccessfully they should just hit it with a fire poker and then he tells alfred that he oh he tells him he's gonna have alfred come in and throw him out to be continued. I have to limit myself to our question minimum here because I've got a bunch of them. But I'm going to start with this one. Is this what Bruce Wayne would be like if his parents weren't shot? I was thinking about that. And I was thinking, you know, I mean, without his parents dying, he doesn't have that motivation for justice. And if he's just going to grow up a spoiled little brat in boarding schools and, you know, Ivy League schools, he might be a bit of a jerk. And, I mean, to be fair, he's, being told, hey, let's go travel back in time and kill your parents. I mean, I wouldn't be up for that. 
I don't think I, I don't know anybody who would be up for, for a situation <laughs> like that. Like, hey, by the way, we we messed up and we need to go kill your parents. If you're not doing anything later, oh. yeah. <laughs> I, I think that it's entirely possible that he could turn out like this. I think the problem is that in most incarnations of Batman's parents, they're shown as like very down-to-earth people, even though they are rich and they're very successful. They're very down-to-earth in the movies and the other comics that feature you know, him dealing with his parents. His parents are very humble with the, the idea that they have all this money. I mean, to a degree, it takes a humble couple to walk down a alleyway in the middle of a bad area of Gotham at night and not just call an call an Uber or, or something like that yeah. to come pick you up or, dumb. or you know call your butler and have him come pick you up but that being said i mean like i think the the thing is they've always been portrayed that way so the assumption would always be like well if his parents lived then he probably wouldn't turn out to be you know an ignorant sob because his parents are down to earth and they're humble and they would make sure that he, you know, is like them to a degree. Like if you go off of other versions of the characters, I don't know that that's exactly how he would turn out, but I feel as if what they're trying to accomplish with what this, what this story is trying to accomplish with booster gold, I think it's probably the only way it actually works. So, so close enough for government work. That seems to be the (laughs) consensus that we have here. Yeah. And that's the thing I always said, I kind of, kind of piggyback when you said Dustin is that, and I think it might be part of the mythos that Bruce has developed. I mean, let's think about it. When somebody dies, we always build them up a little bit, right? Like, if that guy at the office you kind of don't like, kind of stinks, died, right? Like, a year later, it'd be like, oh, everyone loved Tommy. He was great. And probably everyone didn't really, right? So I think that what you see here is, you know, we always think that Bruce's parents would never let him turn out like this because we see it from Bruce's perspective, which is dead parents that are now on a pedestal. Yeah. yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and and it's obviously that these parents have not done a great job because Bruce is kind of a... not doesn't seem like the best guy here. So I find that to be interesting and, and okay, and, and I do think this is kind of what we might see here because I'm assuming we'll have more interaction with um, with the parents here coming up would be that maybe they weren't... And I, and I wonder if Tom King's going to try to go down that, that, that storytelling device of Bruce's parents weren't great parents. To let their son turn out like that. We always think it was the down-to-earth people, so... Interesting. Well, to be fair... Well, to be fair, I mean, Buster just busted through a giant glass window and covered all of his guests with glass and then was going to go kill his parents. I don't think I would be very polite to someone like that. And I'm a nice person. <laughs> That's, it's, it's, it's a good point, and, and I think that Booster's always had that kind of... Booster's such a weird character, you know? Like... He's been used part villain, part hero, more anti-hero, I guess, than anything else, right, Dustin? Would you oh, agree yeah, with definitely. that? Like, I think he's always been he's always been portrayed as a very egotistical character. Very egotistical. You remember back in the day when he used to like had the the company names on his outfit because he oh yeah he'd sell, he'd sell patches on his yeah yeah, yeah like a NASCAR <laughs> suit because he just he wanted yep. endorsements and stuff because he was he was he was a superhero so that he could make money. I mean, that was the intent when they first, you know, when they introduced him and he was popular. So I think it makes sense for him, his character, just to be completely like, hey, 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 everybody, this is what you need to do. And it not makes sense for anybody to do that because he thinks completely different than everybody else. And that brings me to the second point. Steph, how much Booster Gold have you read in your life? A lot or a little? Injustice 2 and Justice League Unlimited, the DGB show. Okay. Okay. That is it. (laughs) 
So here's my question: Why there's a, it's it's a it, and I I thought I'd never do this. Ask a two part question as a guy who's been to a lot of conventions, and every time someone in the crowd goes, "I have a two part question," you know what I'm talking about, Dustin? And everyone's like, "Oh, come on, this guy you know? again." But yeah. Oh, it is like, and they're like, no two part questions. I have a six part question. <laughs> Perfect. You know. Perfect. So, why does Bruce not being around make Green Lantern want to kill himself? And why does Booster think it's awesome? Well, I was wondering about about Green Lantern, and and, and they say something later about him being Jokerized. Yeah. So my my understanding was that there's the Joker stuff that's happening is affecting superheroes in general. This is not, this is like some weird timeline that Booster has created while he's been traveling around. And the timeline has some version of the Joker or the Joker gang exist. And they are basically targeting superheroes. And Booster, I'm guessing, this is my assumption, I'm guessing that Booster is... He realizes, well, the easiest way to take down the Joker is to get Batman. But when he goes to find Batman, he realizes that he kind of messed up the timeline. Now, the thing is, there's some there's some little parts out of whack, which is this whole thing was marketed as Booster Gold is giving Bruce Wayne the a, a wedding present. And the wedding present is that his parents didn't die or like letting him experience his parents that, you know, a, a world where his parents didn't die. But that doesn't. In my, from my perspective, it doesn't come across like that at all. It comes across as this is just a Booster Gold story that is taking place in the pages of Batman that involves Batman, but has nothing to do with what's going on in the main Batman series with everything with Batman and Catwoman and anything like that. It feels as if it is Booster Gold is in a really weird situation and they figured out some way to make it seem as if this was a some sort of wedding gift. Although if it was a wedding gift to Bruce Wayne, then Bruce Wayne from the normal timeline would ex be experiencing this situation, not mm -hmm. this other version of Bruce Wayne that we're seeing here. So like, I feel like there's a disconnect with what the way it was solicited slash marketed towards, you know, against uh, what we're actually reading here in the comic. So in, in my way, I feel like this is a booster gold story, very specifically a booster gold story. And he's looking for, Bruce to help him solve the issue of whatever the Joker threat is because it's causing weird things like the Green Lantern situation that we see in the very beginning of the issue. I don't know how exactly this ties to a wedding gift whatsoever unless that'll be revealed in the next two issues, but that's the way I took it. But it's just that after, I don't know, after, you know, they fix the timeline, Bruce isn't going to remember any of this. And he says... Booster's like, oh, you remember when Superman had the evil plant? But he remembers all that, but Bruce isn't going to remember any of exactly. that. Exactly. It's a silly gift. Yeah, and in fact, I remember, didn't Tom King, before this got started, or was it Tony Daniel, or somebody tied with the direction of this, had came out and said that it was all going to basically be ripped out of continuity yeah. anyway? Like, yeah, it was like, Tom King happened. said that at C2E2. That's what it was. Yeah, it was Tom King that said, yeah, this thing we're doing, it's not really going to matter because it's, it's going to get erased from yeah. continuity. So. Okay. Well, that is what I've got for that issue. All right. So I'm going to give this one a total of three and a half. Three out of five. I think three out of five. And over on the website, Corbin gave it four and a half. So that's going to give Batman a total of three and a half out of five bad ranks. Let's move into our next book, Detective Comics. 
Detective Comics number 979, written by James Tynion, art by Felipe Brios. The issue starts off with Red Robin finding himself surrounded by more visions, the death of Cassandra Kane by the League of Shadows, Azrael murdered by his own clones, Batwing in retaliation for his work with the colony, and spoiler, dealing with an unknown attack. He demands to see the general's face, and the general appears in his mindscape saying that Tim's body is getting a workout. Cassandra fights the two colony soldiers and Tim as they're turned into Omax, begging for Tim to fight back. The general says that Tim can save them by deciding to work with the Omax project. At Kane Manor, Batman and Batwoman and Jacob Kane fight off their own invasion of Omax. The Batcave and the colony's airships are not responding, and they are joined by Batwing and Azrael. Luke explains that the Omax are a nanobot shell and that they are the same tech that the future Tim brought back. Luke suspects that present Tim is using the same tools as his future self. Stuck in the General's mental prison, Tim screams that it's not him, but the General taunts him that they are starting to doubt him. Though Red Robin tries to fight back, the General takes full control of his body, creating a Bat Tim with Brother Eye's face. Brother Eye Tim and the Omax take off, leaving the Bat family wondering what's next. Jacob suggests killing all the Omax hosts, but both Batman and Batwoman reject that outright. He asks the Canes for ta- time and rushes to the Batcave. Cassandra leads him to the one person he thinks can get through to Tim, Stephanie Brown the Spoiler. They find her bitter and angry in a tiny bolt hole with her own setup in place. She sighs and agrees to help. In the middle of Gotham, the Omax build a huge nanotechnology-enabled version of the Belfry 2.0. All right, so first thing I want to talk about is this weird situation that happens with Batwing. He specifically dictates that the type of technology that's being used is the same stuff that Bat Tim from the future brought with him from the future. And the immediate deduction by them is, well, maybe it's Tim Drake from here in the present. He's he's done this. It's him. Do you think that's a little far-fetched in your opinion? Well, yeah. I mean, the only thing that would make you think... I don't know how to say this without sounding like a prattering idiot. The only thing that would make you think that Tim Drake would become a nut job is the fact that in the future he becomes exactly. a nut job. Oh, yeah. Does that make sense? Like... Like, he hasn't done anything in the present time that would make you think he would do this, except the fact that he came back from the future and is doing crazy things and wants to kill Kate. But, you know, Batman's no newbie to time travel, right? I mean, he's dealt with a lot of time travel stories with his involvement in the Justice League and his own title from time to time. And I can't believe that they would think that, that, that Bruce would think that Tim was, was doing that. And even Kate knows him, and, and so does everyone else on the team. It, it just... It doesn't seem to be a, a real feasible thing for Tim to be doing. Except that Tim was really upset about, like, he wanted to do a Belfry 2.0 and was pretty manic about developing stuff, wasn't he, for a little while? And then that's when he had his nice heart-to-heart with Bruce? He was, but I don't think that... Tim's always been, in my opinion, and this is just a, a personal subjective thing. For men, Tim's always been kind of like loyal soldier. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. the boss told him not to do it. But, I mean, he's definitely at some point going to break because in the future he's... Well, he's crazy Batman. He wants to kill people. <laughs> my, my take on this is this. I don't think that... The thing is, the connection to the technology is that, oh, okay, this technology came from the future, from Tim Drake. So we should immediately assume that the Tim Drake here in the present also is the reason why this technology is being used. I think that is... that That's connecting two weird things. And the other thing that, like... 
bothers me about that is the fact that like Batman just stands there and listens to this after they had the heart at heart just in the last issue. And then he goes, then Batman's like, you know what? Just give me some time. He leaves. He goes back to the Batcave. He talks to Cassandra. Obviously Cassandra was there when he got taken over by the, by the Omag, that crazy scene. I mean, like, I know the cover doesn't exactly happen in the issue, but the cover basically shows him being taken over and him not wanting to be an OMAC. The, the, it just feels like there, it feels to me as if it's be, something here is being forced and it might have to do with some sort of time constraints or something like that because we do only have two issues before Tynion is off the book. So I'm guessing that there's some sort of time constraint and something got forced here that normally wouldn't have had been forced but there's something really off about the idea that everyone just assumes that because this evil batman who's tim drake in the future because that person was evil that makes everybody evil in that same regard then you should just assume that because kate kane is the cause for everything bad in the future that she's the cause for everything bad here in the present i mean that thought process doesn't make any sense the other thing i want to talk about is the the at the very end of the issue we have Cassandra lead Batman to Stephanie Brown. I don't know if you guys saw the cover for 980. It was released a couple of weeks ago on Twitter, and we had it on the last week in the Batcave article on the site. But it's basically Batman standing alongside Orphan and Spoiler, and it's uh, there's really cool. It's a really cool shot because their shadows of both Cassandra and Stephanie actually have bat cowls, hinting at the fact that they were previously. Back girls, even though they don't talk about that anymore. <laughs> that didn't yeah, happen. It, it, what are you talking about? <laughs> I thought the cover was really cool. It, it, it is one of those things where I don't know how it ended up working and they allowed it, but it's there and it's really cool. But basically, spoilers going to come back to the fold to help not take down, but basically help do something with Tim Drake. I don't know exactly how she's actually going to be involved because if the idea is they need Steph to basically talk Tim down, Tim doesn't need to be talked down. The general just needs to be taken out. So I'm not real sure exactly what the intent is here, but the idea of Batman teaming with spoiler and orphan is kind of interesting. I want to get your guys' thoughts on the idea that spoiler, this is the second time now that she will come back into the fold after leaving the fold on her own accord because of disagreements with what's going on. This is the second time now that she's going to come back and they're just going to go right into working together again. So what do you guys think of that? I think that your earlier comments about the compression of the story, right, are true. I, I think that for whatever reason, uh, maybe because he was leaving early, it had to be because he was leaving early to do the JLD, that somehow this has become more compressed. I am very easily open to total forgiveness and wink-wink compression here if on the way out the door JT puts the family back together again, in a way. You know what I mean? Like, gets this whole... You don't really want to leave it out there that all of a sudden, you know, Batwoman, Batwing, and Azrael are actually adversaries of Batman traveling the globe. I don't want Steph... Uh, spoiler, not Steph, who's on the line with us, <laughs> to not be a part of... like. Stuff like I know this is comes like the uh, I'm stuck in the past, a complicating reading, blah 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 blah. Steph and Tim are supposed to be together, just like Diana and Ollie are supposed to be together. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. these are things that I believe should be universal constants of the DC universe. And if 
he's got to set this right before he leaves. Because the last thing I want to see is this become like a multi-year thing where Steph and Tim are essentially estranged for even more years than they were in the New 52 where Steph didn't exist for long periods of time and that Tim was really mentioned. If this is what he, JT's got to do to kind of get them patched back up on his way out the door, then do whatever you want to. I'm fine with it. <laughs> I was just kind of like just looking at her as she is portrayed. Like she looks like she's not doing anything with her life other than drowning her sorrows in grape soda. So it's almost like, well, I've got nothing else to do. <laughs> but I think it's also like, I think she would do anything for Tim. It's almost like she's almost sitting around waiting for him to ask her to come back. And instead it's Bruce. Yeah, it goes back into that condensed thing because I don't know why in the world she would just be sitting around waiting for someone to ask her to come back into the fold. It just doesn't seem to be in character with her and the way she's been portrayed recently. Mm. All right. So. I did have one question. Yes, go ahead. Why does Ulysses need Tim so badly? Because he's got the brother eye. He's got future Tim's brain mapped out. What is the significance of having Tim's body in the future bat suit thing? I think it has to do with the fact that he's he's framing Tim. Because it, he thinks he's doing him a favor, right? Well, like, well I don't know if that's in the a case. way. I don't know, I, favor might be the wrong way to do it. The, the way I'm looking at it is that he's looking to basically get Tim to come over to the dark side. Now he's mm. like, "All right, Tim, you need a push. I'm going to give you the push by having everybody turn against you and and frame you, and everyone's going to think that you're a horrible person, which will then force you to come over to the, to my side." I think that's what he's doing. Oh, uh, you. you, you, you. Enemy, my enemy. Yeah. So by making everyone hate Tim by default, he'll be his last ally. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't. But it, it, your, it your makes logic sense, yeah. makes sense. <laughs> yes. And one thing I had wanted to see in this issue was Batman to come back and be like, "Okay, y'all need to leave. My caterers are coming in an hour. The wedding's yeah, gonna... something. <laughs> something like that." They don't even mention it. Like, you know, it'll be really interesting when Detective Comics the next story arc that is coming after. Tanya is done is done by Brian Edward Hill. He's doing a story with Black Lightning, and there's going to be some of the Bat family involved in the story, but not a lot. I'm really wanting to see if there's any mention whatsoever. Because the one thing that like I've talked about this on past episodes, editors' notes, I've seen them popping up in other titles, not bat titles necessarily, but I've seen editors' notes starting to pop up in other titles saying, like, hey, if you want to know what we're talking about, read this book. I want to see that more, and it would make perfect sense for it to happen when you have a massive event like Batman getting married in one book, and the other book, well, he's just doing a a mission with Black Lightning randomly right now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, gone is the days where when there was a major event happening, all of the books in sequence would would tell different points of views or something. Do you think that was from complaints? The reason they don't do it was because. Well, we know from the New 52, they made a massive big deal about how, you know, oh, you know, we're going to do events still, but the events aren't going to be specifically tied to a single series because we don't want sh- we don't want to force anybody to have to buy multiple different series. But the thing is, like, when you, if, in the 90s, when you would buy No Man's Land, you did not have to buy every single issue. There was a ton of issues that were combined. You had Robin, Nightwing, Back on the Birds of Prey. You had uh, Catwoman, you had Detective Comics, Batman, Legends of the Dark Knight, Shadow of the Bat. You had all these titles, but you didn't have to buy them all. You could just stick with like Batman and Detective and get the main story. The other stuff just added elements and added different points of view of into 
similar situations or like here's Nightwing fighting in a specific area of Gotham at the exact same time that everything else is happening. That part of it, like that, that was one of the things about the new 52 that I despised the most was the fact that like they were so hell bent on no, when we have events, you will not have to do anything. You don't have to buy them all. And trust me when I say, I appreciate the, the fact that there are people out there that don't want to buy six different issues, but that is not, the the mindset that a company who's trying to sell the most amount of comics should have they should not have a mindset of we're going to make sure that we have events that take place in one series you could have four series that deal with the exact same character but only one of them is going to deal with the major thing that's happening the other three are just going to be telling some random story there's nothing to do with it that mindset is ridiculously stupid but everyone complained about it yeah i mean like it just doesn't make any sense the the thing that you should be doing is Telling two separate stories, but have them deal with the exact same thing. Tell it from two different points of view then. You know, have Batman's narrative in one title and have the overall story of everyone involved in the other title. Like Detective Comics, just as an example of what they could do, you've got the wedding happening in Batman. So you've got the lead-up issues leading to the wedding in Batman. The lead-up issues in Detective could have been these wedding preludes that they're insisting on doing as standalone one 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 issues specials that they're doing in June that could have been detective comics for the next you know month or that could have been detective comics for a month and a half leading to the wedding or whatever that's what they could have done i mean like i don't understand the necessity to have everything not dealing with anything else like and then the the worst part about it is then you have series that, that spin out of events like, you had talent spin out of the events of Court of the Owls. But Court of the Owls was done. They weren't talking about the Court of Owls anymore. But you've got this series that just randomly somehow ended up as, like, the child of that series. But has nothing to do with anything else that's happening in the books. Nobody's going to care about that book. Now, the same thing is going to happen in June because we have the wedding. And then we have Catwoman coming out that is spawning out of whatever is happening with the wedding. Now, Catwoman normally can sell pretty decently, same as like Nightwing or, you know, Batgirl or Batgirl and the Birds of Prey or Batwoman. It's not that it's going to sell poorly, but it's one of those things where like, if it's spinning out of a major thing, it needs to deal with that major thing to a degree for a, for a set amount of time. If Batman and Catwoman actually get married, which that's my hope, if they actually get married and they're married, then you tell Batman's perspective of the marriage in Batman, and you tell Catwoman's perspective of the marriage in Catwoman. And you tell their individual lives in each series, but then you have another you know, you have elements that cross over. That that that's what makes the books more interesting. It's called share universe. I mean, maybe maybe there's this necessity to not focus on shared universes but maybe someone should take a look at the other side of uh, the comic book world right now with what's happening with this massive thing that's called uh infinity war which has been 10 years in the making which is crossing over all kinds of stuff that's been slowly building for a long time that's the stuff that can be enjoyable if done correctly so that's my but opinion. this is why we can't have nice things right like that's because true. When it used to be that you had these line-wide titles, everyone, like, complained and said, Oh, my God, i got to buy too many books! Right? And now they don't do it at all, and it makes it nonsense, where in the main Batman book, we've been dealing with Batman and Catwoman's romance, arguably since Batman number one, the last Batman number one. Right? And why we don't even talk about it in the other books. Yeah. And the thing is that... 
I if you go back and you actually look at the the titles that sold, like you look at Detective Comics alongside Batman and you compare the sales numbers during those massive events in the '90s or even in the early 2000s and things like that, when you compare the sales numbers, their sales numbers are extremely close together. Like right now, Batman is selling on average about 100k, and Detective Comics is only selling about 65k. That's a big difference in the book. You Huge. would want the other 35k people that are buying Batman to be buying Detective Comics too. So why wouldn't you try to tell a joint story amongst the two books? I, I just don't get it. But I guess that's why I'm not a comic book publisher. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to give this issue of Detective Comics a total of three out of five. Two and a half out of five. Two and a half out of five. All right, and over on the website, Ian gave it three, so that's going to give Detective Comics a total of two and a half out of five batterings. That is all of our in-depth reviews. Let's jump over to the site for Greater Gotham. Starting off on April 18th, we have main TV books where we talked about Batman number 45, the Batman, the brave and the bold Batman and one Roman number three, Diana and Bruce begin their investigation into King Elitha's death. This was reviewed by Tony. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. And in case you missed my comment, the art from the last issue, the art in this book is absolutely sick. Thumbs up. Nightwing number 43, Nightwing's quiet evening at home is interrupted when Robin and Arsenal ask for his help with a mission. This is reviewed by Paul. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Abstain. Thumbs up. Batwoman number 14, Alice's Endgame is revealed. This is reviewed by Tony. He gave it one out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs down. Thumbs down. Harley Quinn number 42, 30 years into the future, old lady Harley is traveling the wasteland of New Jersey, strapped to the front of a death mobile. This is by David. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. It's always thumbs up. This <laughs> book is just so good. It's always good. Thumbs up. But did you catch the Batman spoiler in this book? They're listing all the people Harley has ever married and Selena Kyle's on the list, which means that the bat wedding can't last forever because Harley's got to marry Selena. If it was actually in Canada. <laughs> That's true. We'd have a whole other problem on our hands. Yeah. All right. Secondary TVU books. Batman Creature of the Night number three. Now working together with Batman. Bruce Wayne starts acting against criminality in Boston. This is by Jessica. She'd give it five out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. I can't. Neutral. I just, I something about this I just don't like. I don't know what it is. Two thumbs up. Everyone else loves it. It is. It's really good. I mean, like... <laughs> Everyone loves it. I just can't get behind I don't know why. The art is probably not my cup of tea, but I still think the story is... It's crazy, crazy well-written in the way where I can see the connections that they're trying to make to the, you know, to, to the normal character of Batman. But what's really interesting is that each issue individually is focusing on almost a separate, like, comic age of of Batman's history, the Golden mm. Age, Silver Age, Bronze Age, and then issue number four, whenever it ends up getting solicited, which will hopefully be before the end of the summer, will probably be the modern age Batman, which will be really interesting to see. But it, it 
it's it, it yeah it i mean it's it's crazy good but anyway all right batman teenage mutant ninja turtles 2 number six is it's the final battle between batman and the teenage mutant ninja turtles against bane and the foot clan for the fate of new york city this is by paul he gave it three and a half out of five i'm gonna give this one a neutral abstain abstain batman sins of the father number three the tragic origin of deadshot is revealed along with how floyd lawton is tied to thomas wayne in arkham asylum this is by dan he gave it four out of five i'm gonna give this one a thumbs up yeah i think so thumbs up abstain and i am still playing the game so i will be reading those as soon as i'm done playing the first chapter all right main dc universe books super sons number 15 before enjoying a quiet Night of patrolling Metropolis in Gotham City, Superboy and Robin are attacked in their underwater headquarters by Kid Amazo, who reveals his plan for the Justice League. This is by Bill. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Neutral. Thumbs up. Justice League number 43, in an ever-evolving finale to Justice Lost, the Justice League has come to grips with a changed world. This is by Ian. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs down. Neutral. It's right there on the edge, though, isn't it? I could hear it in your voice. Like, you almost... I I jumped on a moving train with this one, so I had no idea what was going on, but I was like, I don't like it. <laughs> All right, secondary DC Universe books. Action Comics, number 1000, Batgirl, Harley Quinn, Batman, Robin, and Nightwing all make brief cameos in the special anniversary issue. Bombshells United, number 16, which includes digital chapters number 31 through 32. The bombshell versions of Alicia Yao, Frankie Charles, Backroll, Riddler, Killer Croc, Harper Rowe, Tim Drake, Beck Kane, Colin Rowe, Kathy DeQuince, Nell Little, and Batwoman all appear in the issue. Damage number four, Poison Ivy plays the role of the villain in the issue. Deadman number six, Batman and Ra's al Ghul both appear in the issue. Green Lanterns number 45, Batman appears in this issue. Injustice 2 number 24, which includes digital chapters number 47 through 48. The Injustice versions of Damian Wayne, Jason Todd, Batman, Batgirl, League of Assassins, and Athanasia al Ghul all appear in the issue. Superman number 45, the Bizarro version of Robin, Rob Zaro, appears in the issue. And then Teen Titans Go number 27, digital chapters 23 through 24. The Teen Titans Go versions of Robin, Leslie Tompkins, and Hugo Strange all appear in the issue. Moving over to April 25th, we have main TV books. We already talked about Detective Comics number 979. Batgirl number 22, Batgirl revisits some of the people and issues from her recent past in what turns out to be a surprisingly present danger. This is by Jerry. He gave it 3.5 out of 5. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral. Thumbs up. Batman and the Signal number three. Duke discovers a startling truth about Noman and himself as he fights to save the Narrows from chaos. Subai Adele, he gave it two and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Abstain. Neutral. Batman Beyond number 19. Terry receives help from Matt to end the fight with Payback, but that doesn't mean he is thrilled with Bruce's decision. Subai Adele, he gave it two and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral. Thumbs up. Mother Panic, Gotham AD number two. Violet goes into the wilds of New Gotham to find her mother. She follows Joker's lead to Arkham, but she must suit up in her Mother Panic gear to get inside. This is by Jerry. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs way up. I love this series now. Thumbs up. Uh, no secondary TBU books. Main DC Universe books. Teen Titans number 19. By working together, the Teen Titans are able to bring down Joran and rescue Gar from the Neverland Mind Control Tech. This is by Bill. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. 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 Titans Annual number two. The Titans, in order to recover 
A world-threatening enemy with only one thought on its mind will have to put aside their differences and unite as a team. Zubai Bob, he gave it two and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral? Thumbs up. Justice League of America, number 29. The team defeats Kronos, saves all, and reveals the future of Mount Justice. Zubai Tony, he gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs up? Neutral. Uh, Real quick, I want to talk about Justice League of America. Overall haven't been super thrilled it does feel very much like a late 90s version of justice league and it's not not that that's a bad thing but just league detroit that's what it feels like yeah or just league international or just yeah, europe yeah. or something like that that's what it feels like but the one thing i want to say about this last issue that i thought was awesome was this idea of the justice foundation that they came up with at the very end where they basically are going to pull together, you know, scientific minds that are part of the Just League, and resources to basically help humanity outside of just going and rescuing people. The idea of like using their smarts to come up with ideas, to like basically cure diseases, and you know, you know, deal with famines and all kinds of stuff like that. It's a really cool idea that I'm surprised I have never seen before, and I will admittedly say that I have not read. A lot of Just League stuff outside of the past 10 years. So I can't say whether or not this has happened before. But it seems like a really, really cool idea to like, hey, there's all these characters that are part of the Just League or have been part of the Just League. But not all of them really need to be out there fighting on a daily basis. Um, You know, the villain of the week or the villain of the month or whatever. So the idea that they, you know, they use their scientific prowess and their their super intellect minds to come up with these great ideas to help society i think is an amazing idea and i wish it was i wish there was more time for it to work out and i hope to see something related to that in the future yeah there was some shades of it in morrison's run on jla back in the day and that's why i gave it a thumbs up was that like i have been disappointed in this series of jla but this issue was kind of like you know what i mean like you got to the end of it and you're like i could get behind that that's cool <laughs> you know so All right, Suicide Squad number 40. Amanda Waller faces off against the wall as both Task Force X and her family hang in the balance. This is why Paul, he gave it one out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs down. Hey, man, so bad. Thumbs down. I gave it a thumbs up, but again, I jumped on a moving train here, and I just thought it was cool to get, like, the family view of Amanda Waller, so that's what I liked about it. I didn't really know what else was going on. Well, that's okay. The rest of us had no idea what was going on either. There's definitely not a tell you want to be jumping onto, that's for sure. Trinity number 22, Diana, Bruce, and Clark defeat Demos with his own magic. This would be by Tony. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral. Thumbs down. And then secondary DC Universe books, The Flash number 45, Dick Grayson appears in a flashback as Robin, while Damian Wayne appears as part of the current Teen Titans roster in the issue. The Hellblazer number 21, Huntress appears as a main part of the story in the issue. And then Silencer number 4, Talia al Ghul appears as part of Leviathan in the issue. And then uh, as far as TBU trades and hardcovers, we have Batman Arkham Hugo Strange trade paperback, Red Hood and the Outlaws volume 3, Bizarro Reborn trade paperback, Harley Quinn and the Gotham City Sirens Omnibus Hardcover. Batman Volume 5, The Rules of Engagement Trade Paperback. Nightwing Volume 5, Raptors Revenge Trade Paperback. Injustice 2 Volume 1 Trade Paperback. And Injustice 2 Volume 2 Hardcover. So that is everything that's released in the past two weeks. If you heard us give a thumbs up, thumbs down, all of those books have detailed 
reviews and synopses over on the site. So if you're not able to keep up with all those books because you can't purchase 10 books per week, well, we can help you out with that by you head over to the website and you can find out, keep up with everything that's going on in all of the books by reading our reviews over on the site. Outside of that, that is all of our reviews and stuff. We're going to jump straight into our listener Q&As. <laughs> Boy, did you get a wrong number. Leave your message at the sound of the shriek. No, please, don't! <laughs> As Stella previously read all of our comments, Stephanie is now going to take that over. And conveniently, the first comment we have comes from Stephanie. So she can read her own comment and we'll break it down. (laughs) Okay, so in Batman number 44, we are treated to memories spanning the entire 75-year Batman Catwoman history. My question is, do you think these memories are an effect of Doomsday Clock? The flashbacks can't all be Selena's because she doesn't remember the boat. And they can't all be Bruce's because he doesn't remember the street. And furthermore, these memories are all from different continuities. I'm still new to this, uh, so please correct me if any of this stuff is wrong, because I depend wholeheartedly on DC Wikia. The first two flashbacks come from Earth 2, and this is the continuity that Bruce remembers, and it ended like it has an ending in 1983 with his marriage to and eventual death of Selina Kyle. The next four flashbacks come from Earth 1, where there doesn't seem to be a grand first meeting of the two, where they eventually have a pretty long and meaningful relationship. This storyline ends with their breakup and Batman's story being altered by the Crisis of Infinite Earths in 1986. The last flashback is from New Earth, in which Batman and Catwoman meet on the street during Bruce's first year as a vigilante, ending with the pre-52 flashpoint in 2011. And currently we have, or assume we have, the Prime Earth's New 52 Batman and Catwoman. All these universes have distinct beginnings and endings. I'm including New Earth as having an ending too much, because uh, too much has changed between it and the New 52 to consider it the same continuity, making it impossible for any one person to have all these memories unless something is messing with their memories. In summary, given that not one person could logically have all the memories presented in the flashbacks, do you think this mess of continuity is a result of Doomsday Clock messing with time streams and memories, or am I trying to read too much into this? I concede that we don't know enough about what Dr. Manhattan has done yet to draw confident conclusions. Okay, so real quick, let's talk about Mm -hmm. that before we get into your last bit. So... Could Doomsday Clock have an effect on some of these memories? That's in. I got some stuff about this. Go on, get on there, get on. <laughs> it's 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 entirely possible. I, I'm not going to say it's impossible because we don't know exactly how Doomsday Clock will all work out. And now, unfortunately, we have to wait even longer for it to work out. Now that it's gone bi monthly instead of uh, every uh. every month. So, and th- that's an unfortunate thing by itself that I don't really want to get too much into. But anyway, the the flashbacks for me. I feel as if they are we, – we had an awesome article on the site that Josh Bertoni did that dealt with the scenes that were in Batman number 44 and the actual issue that they they, they were you know pulled out of mm-hmm. as a reference. There were certain elements that were changed that he pointed out too, like some of the, the colors of the costumes were different and things like that. Now – my my the easiest take and the one I'm just gonna go with just for the sake of time because I know I know Ed has more to say about this 
is that whenever somebody remembers something, you don't always remember all of the details perfectly. And there are certain things where, you know, if I, if I asked my wife, what was our first date? I don't know that she would be able to remember, although we didn't, well, okay, that's a bad example, <laughs> but that's a really bad example. Try that one again, boss. Yeah, it wasn't really a, really wasn't a first date. But it, my point is, if I was able, if I was to ask her something that I knew very specific, like for example, I could I could actually tell you when we started the date we started dating. That's only because I just always remembered that date. But I don't know that she would remember that specific date. She's not good with like spe- the specific. Mm-hmm. She's good with the general stuff. So the idea that these these flashbacks you know one person remembers some of them and the other person remembers it either a different way or a completely a completely separate memory it i think it just has to do with how it how those memories affect that person and that's the easiest explanation for this you know there's certain things that i could that probably affected me a lot more than they affected my wife where she's not going to remember them as clearly as me but then there's things that she would remember that i probably wouldn't remember as much you know I, I know that there's certain things like that because I've, you know, we, when we've talked about things with other people mentioning certain things, she'll say, oh, I remember it like this. I'm like, that's not how it happened. It happened like this. And then you just, it's compl- it's two different points of view because each person is going to remember certain elements of certain things and what's more important to them. That's the simple answer. Ed, go ahead with the complicated answer, I'm sure. <laughs> okay, so this met on a street, met on a boat problem. This has been rearing its ugly head since right after Tom King started his run here in Rebirth, right? Mm-hmm. If this was a one-off thing, an issue, if this was just they did this, you know, special, we're, uh, we're getting married, so we're going to do a cool art montage, then I would just chalk it up to nobody cared about continuity, and they decided just to do it. But if that's what they're doing now, I find it to be, well, kind of dumb, because when you have been referencing this met on a street, met on a boat thing for the better part of how long are we in rebirth now? Two years, mm-hmm. give or take. Yeah, it'll be two years in June. Yeah. So when you've been referencing this for two years, you better be going something with it, and it better not be well. Me and my wife remember our date differently. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they have distinctly different memories. This isn't where. Well, we went out to the Chinese restaurant. Yeah, was it uh, was it this one or was it this one? I thought it was this one. That you can chalk up, but they both distinctly remember either the Earth 2 or Earth 1 version, depending on what you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. um, on, wh- on which character you're talking about. Which means to me that if it doesn't mean something, then this is just sloppy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you, you bring it up for two years, and then this may be the let's call attention to it the last minute so no one forgot, and then it goes nowhere. Well, it's not as if Tom King hasn't done that already with other things. I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> But you did. Just like I, I wasn't going to say that Norman Bray Fogel was terrible, but I mean, oh, what did it again? But no, I, I don't know. I remember for a while, uh, six months ago or so, we actually toyed with the idea that this was all going on Earth 2. Remember? Yeah, because it wasn't connected to anything that was happening in the other books. And the whole future thing, when they showed future daughter, you know, who... The annual number two. The, the annual, yeah. So I've this always felt more like... I still think that this is earth two in some way because it i mean for those of us and and stuff you've obviously done your research right Mm -hmm. this is the earth two batman story 
right? Like, him and Selina fall in love and get married. Like, this mm-hmm. is the Earth 2 Batman story. This right. is the classic Earth 2 Batman story. So, I wouldn't be shocked at all if this was Earth 2, and maybe the Doomsday Clock tie-in is, at some point they take, we kind of go crisis on infinite Earths again, and mush all the Earths, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, but then you have stories like the Night of the Monster Men, where... That wasn't that Batman, Nightwing, and and yep. uh, Detective yeah. Comics, and they, it was crossing over with Detective Comics too. That, that's and the, that's part of the problem with some of. I've heard this theory too about the idea that one book is taking place on a different Earth, and that's why there's certain things like there's no mention of Tim Drake in in the pages of Batman, but there's reference to Damian and Nightwing. There's in the other book you have you have references to. Everybody, but you don't have references to Catwoman. I don't think we've ever heard Catwoman get brought up in Detective Comics. So it's one of those things where I've heard the idea of it, and I think it is entirely possible. I'm not going to say it's not; it's impossible. It actually also solves the idea of if Tom King is on the book for another two years, and the series gets to number 100, and Tom King has been telling a story that is taking place on Earth 2, and he's just pulled bits and pieces out of the Scott Snyder continuity that he's done. When Doomsday Clock eventually ends, it's not going to be at the point where we're going to get to number 100. It's probably going to be around 75 um, when when Doomsday Clock actually ends up. So the thing is, like, if it's revealed that Batman is part of Earth 2, I mean, don't get me wrong, that would be a huge, like, whoa, really? Okay. But at the same time... It can easily, in a way, clear up some of the concern that some people out there are saying, which is, and also alleviate some of my concern, which is almost every time a character gets married in comics, something horrible happens, or it doesn't actually end up going, they actually don't end up going through with the wedding, or it just doesn't Mm -hmm. work. If they go the route of this is Earth 2 and this is taking place on Earth 2. They obviously, they stay married. Obviously, Selena is, is ultimately doomed. But if she, but the, the thing is, that doesn't have to happen for mm-hmm. a while. So if Doomsday Clock ex- explains this as this is Earth 2 and that's why this is happening, they can bring the series back to Earth 1 and then you don't have to worry about like undoing the marriage because that still exists. It's just on a different Earth. And I'd be completely okay with that. As long as they spent enough time dealing with their actual marriage before that that came up, which, I mean, another 25 issues, I mean, that that is a lot of time. It's probably not as much time as I'd like to see because I'd like to see it happen for multiple years because I feel like a lot of time they have an idea and they run with it for a short time or they fill in the gaps and they make it, they make it drawn out, but it's not actually interacting with the idea that they have. Like this idea of Batman and Catwoman being in a relationship as you said, Ed, has been going on since the beginning of Rebirth, but at the same time, we haven't really gotten a whole lot of it. You know, we had the story where we had the weird situation with, she was part of the Suicide Squad, I Am Suicide Squad, or or whatever it was. Batman Suicide Squad, whatever that was. (laughs) Whatever it was, yeah, like she was part of that, then they had the little two-issue mini-series, or the two-issue mini-arc where the two of them, that was a great story, but then, like, we didn't really get back into it for a while until later on. I mean, like, the stuff has been spaced out very, very oddly in a way where, sure, this has been going on for almost two years now, but in this, in, at the same time, like, 
if you count the actual issues that they've been actually dealing with their relationship, it's not that many. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. Like, I don't want to get another 25 issues and say, okay, we're going to, we're, we're done with this story of them having the marriage, but then not actually explore this two of them actually in a marriage dealing with the situation where one of them does bad things like rob banks and or rob jewelry stores, or whatever. And the other one's supposed to be stopping them, but they're married. Like I want to actually see that happen. Not just, hey, this is somebody that I uh, sometimes sleep with because that's we've seen that for way too long. Since Hush, right? Hasn't that been the relationship of Catwoman and Batwoman since Hush? The one he just... Oh, yeah. Yep. I mean, sometimes it's gone from the sublime to the ridiculous, like Catwoman number one in the New 52, <laughs> you know? That's true. Which was just like, what is going on here? But I just, I don't know. I just got a feeling that that this is going to be one of those rugs yanked out from their feet at the, feet at the last second. All right, and then your last comment about Booster yes, Gold. on the Booster Gold storyline, I think from the solicitations from Batman number 47, something big and DC Universe altering will happen despite what anyone has said to the contrary, and I wonder if this is how they're going to fix the Selena Kyle mass murder issue. Because if you read the solicitations for 47, it says... As Booster Gold, Batman, and Catwoman zero in on the time anomaly, what they find and their actions will correct it will have ramifications on all the DC universe. So someone isn't telling the truth. It's probably Tom King. That guy lies all the time. Yeah, he does. <laughs> and he has actually said that he's he's lied about the yeah. different solicitations. And we also know that the editors are the ones who are actually supposed to write the solicitations, not the writers. So there's no reason that the editor couldn't make mm-hmm. something up. The, the thing is this. After going, you know, at C2E2, they said that the the storyline's not in continuity. I'm literally just, I'm, I'm saying that the, these three issues that are happening, I'm convinced that it's just, here's a three-issue story arc. Throw away. Booster Gold's the focus. Batman is a supporting character. Catwoman's going to be a supporting character in the story. And at the end of it, we're going to go right back to where we were. And it's not even going to, like, Bruce Wayne from our normal Earth and Catwoman aren't going to have any clue about this. Like, I'm convinced that's what's going to happen because if it's going to be outside, if it is outside of continuity now, it's not going to be even remembered after the fact. Right. It just isn't. So it's just, we needed to have three issues. And I said this last issue, I was afraid that this was going to happen. But, you know, we're, we're on our way to the wedding, which is number 50. And we basically have these three issues that are done by an artist who has not been on the series up until now, at least within Rebirth. And... You know, it's outside of the normal artists that have been attached, like Mikhail Janin or Joel Jones or uh, even David Finch, who, outside of doing some work on number 50, isn't coming back to the book. I feel like it's just basically we needed to tell a three issue to make sure that this got to number 50. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And unfortunately, you could look at it two ways. It's either a giant waste of time or it could be a really good story that it doesn't have ramifications but could tell something really cool. We've seen stories like that that have worked out in the past and that can be good. You know, Batman Annual number two, the idea of this future version of Bruce Wayne and Selina. We don't know that that's actually the way everything's going to mm-hmm. work out. That's just an idea of what it could be. So, I mean, like, it's it was a good story. It worked out well. The the other, Another perfect example that's still de- you know, that also deals with Tom King, that Batman Elmer Fudd story, completely not in continuity. But it's a decent read, and it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you can have really good stuff, and it also falls in line with the idea of what they're doing with Black Label and, like, White Knight. 
you know, there's a lot of really good stuff that's not necessarily in continuity that can be really good. So I'm looking, I'm trying, I'm, I'm taking the optimistic view of this is just a three issue story arc that, you know, Tom King wanted to tell something that was outside of continuity. Sure, it gets him a little bit of uh, room to get to the wedding so that they can make sure that number 50 is the wedding issue without him having to randomly have Batman teaming up with like the Flash or Green Lantern for a couple issues because we know that's what we would have gotten if we didn't get this. So, First of all, something does not have to be memorable to be in continuity. It's true. See Azrael's entire <laughs> lifespan. Okay? He is in continuity. No, I, I get what you're saying. I just... This could be clever way to do it. Stuff... Uh, the idea that they could use Booster to, to rewrite Selena's mass murdering would at least be the, and I think Dustin, you'll agree with this. At least if that's what they did, they'd at least be dealing with the problem, right? Yeah, and, and resolving something that's just been left wide open. Yeah, I mean, it will. It, it, I think the idea itself is actually pretty clever, except it will make Tom King look like an idiot. Because if we traveled through the desert and we did all this stuff, right? Oh yeah. Just so at the last second he could go, eh, time travel. Right? Like what what mass murder? What are you talking about? Yeah, it's never yeah. had time travel. Like that would be like <laughs> kinda uncool. But at this point, uh, this is almost like I said earlier about I don't I'll let JT get away with what he wants to as long as he gets put Steph and Tim back together. At this point, we just gotta deal with it some way. Because if they go into this wedding and they don't bring it back up, that's how that's gonna work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like how's that mm-hmm. gonna work? So I think that would be kinda clever to do it. And I and I and I guess it would make make their 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 you know and them able to get married in public because like we talked about before, unless this is Batman and Catwoman getting married at the Watchtower, if Bruce Wayne, the Prince of Gotham, gets married, it's going to be on the news, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So yeah, I think they have to deal with it, and if we have to resort to time travel to do so, it's one of those things where if that is the resolution, I think that would be ba- better than anything. Better than none. It'd be much better yeah. than just going. Eh. It's all good. You know? A little anticlimactic, but at least it's dealt with. At least it's dealt with. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and we hate, I don't know how Steph feels about this because it's your first time, Steph, mm-hmm. but we despise off panel land. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, well, where did it happen at? Eh, somewhere, you know? <laughs> and, the pro- and, the, and the worst part about that is that Tom King has gone on record and said that stuff happens in off panel land in his stories, and that is. To me, as a writer, that is the last thing you should ever be saying to anybody. You should never be telling anybody that that happens. I mean, it's. I think it's in some ways better to say, you know what, eventually I'll get to that and then just not get to it <laughs> than say it happened off panel. Because the idea that there's things that can happen and you as the reader have to guess as to how they how the outcome came that is the worst thing you could possibly have. I don't want to read a comic and have to, you know, basically yes. choose my own ending because they decided not to follow up plot points. That's that's ridiculous. And if you have to do it, like the editor reduced your issue count or something happened and you have to resort to off-panel land, I guess it's something like we've all done stuff that we don't like to admit. Right. But he's like proudly going, oh, yeah, you know that rule of writing about always show the story? I don't do that sometimes. It's yeah. like, uh, brother, like, we all drink alone sometimes, right? But we don't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm saying. All right. All right, so moving on, yeah. our next comment comes from Ian. 
Dustin, at C2E2, did you get any of the con-exclusive foil covers, like Batman vs. Deathstroke number 30? I ordered mine on eBay, and it's so pretty. Smiley face. Okay, so real quick, I'll say this. I did not, because I have... Are you serious? Here's the thing, okay? I have to point this out. We've had these conversations, Ed. I had to. I have to stay away from variants. Oh, because you're yeah, you're rabbit hole. The second you go down a hole, you're done. You're gonna buy yes, them all. Yes, because the problem is yeah. there. There, it's become a, a a major thing at all these big conventions: C2E2, New York Comic Con, WonderCon, even Emerald City Comic Con. There are so many conventions out there that have these exclusive con covers. It's impossible to keep up. Here's the thing. I made a I made a promise to myself about three years ago that I needed to scale back on my collecting habit when it came to comic books because I also am a completist. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm noticing a, a trend with all of the people who end up getting involved in TBU. They all tend to be completists, but the the reality of it is like I have over six thousand individual comics right now, and I don't have everything. I've got a big list of stuff that I need, but. It all started back in, I want to say, 2010. It was like summer of 2010. There was a Batman Incorporated issue that came out that DC released. There was like a 1 in 100. And I kept trying to find it, and I kept trying to find it, and I kept trying to find it. And it was pissing me off because the only place I could find it was on eBay, and it was like $150. And I can't justify spending $150 on a variant cover like that. And the thing is, over the pa- since then, that was 2010, since then, over the past eight years, we know that there has been some craziness during the New 52 and before the New 52 with variant covers and things like that, where some issues will get one in 10s, they'll get one in 25s, then they come out with uh, second, you know, they'll come out with a second edition special variant cover. I can't, I, I, I it's impossible. So about three years ago. black and white ones, Yeah. Yeah, the black and white ones, they'll come out with the blank ones, they'll come out with... The, it, it just got too ridiculous. So I told myself, I told myself three years ago that it... Well, the other problem was, like, on a monthly basis, I was spending almost $200 on all these issues, including all the variant covers, and it just got too much. I would have rather put that money, some of that money, towards other things. So I scaled back, and I told myself, no more variants. I'm done with variants. I cannot do variants anymore. So I am not doing variants anymore. I'm just doing the single issues. And I know that there are some variant covers that come out that are just absolutely beautiful. But it's really like one of those things where if I, it, you know, if I if I need to scale back, I need to tell myself I need to scale back. You know, if I was a, I, I, I don't know how else to put this. Comics were my drug and I needed to. To, to tail it back, I was a little too in, in, in out of my depth when it came to buying too many comics, and especially those variant covers. So I had to get away You're from smack that. addict. Yeah, I had to yeah. get away from them. So basically, that that's that. So I have only been doing single issues for the last three years, and eventually, if I ever get time, I'll probably start selling off some of the variants that I have because I I, I because I'm a completist. If I have some variants, I have to have all of them. If I don't have any variants, I can just say, hey, I don't have any variants. So eventually I'll get around to it, and hopefully by then most of those variants will be up in, in value. So I'll make some money back on some of those purchases. Because you're going to sell them, right? Like, sure you are. Oh, yeah, of course. 
Well, I'm just going to get rid of them. That would be a waste. Yeah, what are you doing collecting them for? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. So, anyway, continuing on. I agree that Suicide Squad was really hampered by the Jim Lee slash movie situation, but they kept it on twice a month for a really long time. I've been enjoying the Suicide Squad. Hell to pay. Tie-in comic. Digital first, though. There's rumors that fall 2018 will see a big book launch initiative which I think a bit overblown since Bendis and Snyder have already have big launch initiatives from May to July. But I do think that we'll see some new Bat books announced as Jamie Rich slides into place as Batman group editor. I have an idea for the 250 podcast. Call it. Call in episodes. Big name creator interviews. Okay, so... Yeah, the Suicide Squad, we talked about that episode. The rumors that you're hearing is the same exact rumors that I was hearing while I was on vacation that I talked about earlier. I imagine that there probably will be one or two new Bat books, if not any like main Bat books. I'm sure there was going to be some more miniseries. Because with... Here's the thing. I was, I was doing some calculations recently because there's a bunch of miniseries that are ending this month and then there's a bunch of new stuff that's starting up so like just league of america and just league both ended but the new ones are starting up in in uh june and july and then we have no justice and we have the wedding prelude so i was working out all of this and the thing is june has five issues of these for these batman wedding preludes which takes up a bunch of numbers of the Bat books, but outside after that, once you get to July, there's not a lot. Sins of the Father's ending, Raven the Bold Batman Wonder Woman series is ending. Those are two. You've got White Knight and Dark Prince Charming. They're both ending in May and June. So like a lot of this stuff is wrapping up very quickly here. Teenage Mutant and Turtles ended. All these miniseries that have involved different characters have ended. We had the, just a couple months ago, we had the Harley and Ivy, Betty and Veronica series. There's a lot of stuff that's been wrapping up, and the only thing that's... All-Star Batman. Yeah, all, well, that yeah, that's a little further back, but yes, that too. But out of all of that stuff that, that has wrapped up over the last, let's just say, two years since Rebirth started, there hasn't actually, this is actually the time where there has been the least amount of Bat books. So I think it's entirely possible, especially with all these miniseries that have ended recently, that we're going to see something new get announced in August, September, um, maybe something before Comic-Con, and then they hype it up at Comic-Con. Um, or the maybe the focus is that they're going to be moving into some of those Black Label uh, series a little bit sooner than anybody anticipated, but I don't know because they really haven't talked about release dates for any of that stuff other than Superman Year One from Frank Miller was going to be coming sometime this year, but they didn't say when. But outside of that, I mean, like, there's still two series of that. Sean Murphy has talked about White Knight Volume 2 being potentially announced at, at New York Comic Con, which means it's probably not actually going to release until maybe this time next year or maybe even, you know, like late 2018 again and then, or, and then going into 2019 if it stays with eight issues. I mean, it was originally supposed to be six, I think, and then it got expanded to seven, and then he got eight. So, needless to say, there's a lot of miniseries that are wrapping up, and I'm not seeing a whole lot of stuff taking those places, other than the four issues of No Justice that are coming out in May. There's the four, I think it's four or five issues of the Man of Steel weekly series that's coming from Bendis in May. Then there's the the five weeks of Bat, uh, Batman preludes. So a lot of that stuff is filling the gaps of some of these miniseries that are ending. But as soon as all that stuff wraps up j- come July, there's not that much that's coming out that's outside of the normal stuff. So August, September, 
October, I'm telling you, those three months, there's going to be something. We know August is going to have something for Bat Books because Detective Comics, Detective Comics is only, uh, the next story arc is only going five issues. So mid-month August, the second issue of August is going to have some new creator on it. It's not going to be Brian Hill because he has said that he's only on the series for five issues. So something's happening. If it is this initiative that he's that, that's being hinted at, with some of the other titles, I mean, I'm not going to complain if that something happens to the other books. Something's going to have to happen in Detective Comics because we got to get to 1,000. And I don't want just random five-issue story arcs to lead us to 1,000. I think that'd be a waste. But something's going to happen, and I would love to see maybe one or two Bat books come in, even if they were crossovers or some of these out-of-continuity miniseries. I mean, some of the stuff has been really good. White Knight and Batman Wonder Woman series, those have both been really good. So, yeah, we'll see. On to the ideas for the 250 podcast that we got here. I was thinking still the possibility that like, we could drink while we do it. <laughs> we'll just get drunk. We'll do a drunk calling show. That'd be fun. That'd be great. Uh, Steph, what we got here, we got to ask you kind of an important question. Well, I got to ask you kind of an important question. What is your feelings on Death of the... F- oh, yucky. It's fine. This is perfect, then. <laughs> this is great. Okay. All right. One of the things we originally tossed... This may or may not come to fruition, bad fans, was having me... Because I love the story, personally. And nobody else does on this cast. <laughs> Dustin is ambivalent. Stella does not like it. So it was going to be me defending that from people. Yeah, so just, just to throw it out there to listeners, because I guess if you leave your comments before the next episode you know that'll help but some of the ideas that we've had we had ideas where we do like three different segments one of us would each come up with some sort of segment ed's was like he said the death of the family thing where he was going to review death of the family i am adamant against <laughs> defend it is a better way to put it i'm probably. adamant against top 10 lists i don't like them i don't like i don't like things having to do with like giving your top five comic stories because most of the time it ends up being a lot of the same stuff. If it unless you you put on like crazy restrictions where it's like top five obscure Batman titles that aren't a bad book, and then it's like, well, then you got to do a ton of research to try to mm-hmm. find those. But the thing is, like, we we had some other ideas. A call an episode is something that we have not done here. I don't think we've ever done it on the comic. Stella's done some that I've been a part of. Well, Stella has done, and we've done years ago when we first started, we did a, uh, we did call-in shows as part of the TBU special feeds, but there really wasn't like a, any sort of rhyme or reason. It was just like, hey, call in, give a comment, and we'll talk about it or whatever. I'm not exactly sure, I mean, I'm not going to say it can't happen because I, I, like I said, I haven't figured out exactly what we're going to do. As far as big name creator interviews, I can I can honestly say that will not happen. Um, not because uh, I don't want to, but we have the TBU interviews, and I don't want to necessarily get a couple of big name creators and try to do interviews in such a short amount of time. Since this episode is supposed to release in basically June, I don't have a ton of time to line up a bunch of creators and and, and put that together, and I don't want i i kind of want the episode 250 to be a celebration of what we've accomplished here on the comic cast and not necessarily focusing on creators who have who have written bad books over the past whatever years that we've been doing this so i can honestly say that's not going to be one um but if anybody else has any other ideas that you'd like to to pitch surely send those on the comment section and then by the next episode i will 
we'll finalize what we are going to do and we will figure figure it out and then give you a release date on that again i will tell you this that uh, episode 250 will release uh it'll be like an extra episode so instead of having to do the news and the reviews for the two weeks episode 250 will release in like one of our normal off weeks so you'll get it a little bit sooner than you normally would, but that way you can have we'll have a whole episode that will just be a special and won't be news and the normal stuff that we normally have to cover on one of these so, episodes. So w- w- yeah. two fifty will happen between episode two forty nine and two fifty one. Then it's that- <laughs> <laughs> got jokes, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we said, right? And I wish I could say that he was here all night, but he's not. So let's wrap this up. Yeah, no, he's not all night. Yeah. So this has been the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Uh, Be sure to check out the website for all the latest news related to movies, TV, merchandise, video games, and, of course, the comics. Also, be sure to check out the website for all uh, all the latest podcasts we have to offer. There's new episodes of Backwell to Oracle. As you're listening to this, the very first chapter of The Lonely Place of... Living, which is the radio drama that Robin Everyone Loves the Drake is is doing, has released. Uh, all every the first four Wednesdays of May will have a new chapter released every single week. So if you love radio dramas or want to hear my voice somewhere else, you can head over to Robin Everyone Loves the Drake, which is on the BatmanUniverse.net, and check out their radio drama for that awesome story that we talked about last fall. Is it on his feed? Is it on the Everyone it Loves is, the yeah. Drake feed, or is it going to be on its yeah. own feed? Yeah, it's on Everyone okay. Loves the Drake feed. Right. Uh, it'll be so the first episode comes out on May second, and then so forth, and then just four weeks after that. But every Wednesday in the month of May, except for the last Wednesday, there will be a new there will be a new episode of Robin Everyone Loves the Drake, which will be the next chapter of the story. So take that take a look at that i mean there there was a large number of uh people that were involved in that from all kinds of different podcasts from all over the world so be sure to check that out i strongly suggest it rob has put a massive amount of work into that and i would strongly suggest that you check that out if you like comics or radio dramas or anything like that or even audiobooks so outside of that be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for all latest news and videos from the Batman universe. Leave us reviews on iTunes. Those are always greatly appreciated. And as I said earlier, leave your rev- your comments on the comment section on the podcast post over on the site or on Twitter or YouTube, wherever you want to leave comments. I've been pretty good about f- seeing those comments as long as we're tagged in them so that we can port those over to the website. Outside of that, if you are so inclined, you can support us on Patreon. Any any help whatsoever is greatly appreciated. If you can't support us on Patreon, we're always looking for new comic book reviewers, writers, news writers, editors, graphic designers, video editors, audio editors, all kinds of stuff over on the site. So if you have any of those talents that you'd like to share, get in touch with us at tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net, and we will try to find something for you to help with. Outside of that, that is everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Ed. This is Steph. And you've been listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. We'll see you guys in two weeks.